I'm sorry. I hit record. I hate Bob too. I don't know why people go by that. I'm like, where do you get Bob out of Rob? I mean, I guess you changed the R to the B, but. Yeah, I always say, Bob, that's what Apple said. Dead people doing water. <laughs> I might keep that in this podcast, but Rob, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Welcome to Out of the Blank Podcast. Rob, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening? Hi, I'm Rob Chirico. It's hard to kind of pinpoint me. It's like trying to stick a pin in a blob of mercury. I was an art history professor. I gave it up to paint. I lived in several countries, Argentina, lived in France. Uh, I've written several books. One is on swearing, which is the one we will be speaking of now. But my probably my bestseller is a cocktail book, 30,000 copies, uh, Field Guide to Cocktails. So if you're interested in cocktails, history, jokes, and how to make drinks the right way, you can go to that. Uh, I. I can go on, but I think let's let's just ignore me for a second and, and turn it over to Robbie to start asking some questions. Now, I, I reached out to you to talk about uh, your book on swearing. How did you get interested in writing about swearing in the first place? I was writing another book at the time about um, the food industry, which eventually came out as an ebook called Onward uh, Kitchen Soldiers. And at that time, the agent I had I was telling him about how much swearing there was in the kitchen. And he said, hey, well, maybe you should write a book about that. Anybody who says, write a book about that, I'll do it. So I proceeded and uh, and there it is. That's a good title. Damn. And it's actually very interesting because I share the title with H.L. Mencken. He has a book called Damn. That's probably the only thing I, I share, but uh, but we'll, we'll settle for that. Now, what did you notice about it? Because, I, I, look, I've been in restaurant businesses before, and that's like one area where it's like you kind of have to leave your feelings at the door. I mean, the kitchen gets so hot, and sometimes it's like 100 outside, then it's like 150 degrees in the kitchen, then you're moving back and forth. So cursing is just like it's just seen as normal, and it's not like they mean it like against you as a person they're just saying it because it helps get out the stress makes the kitchen flow a little bit easier surprisingly i mean i think gordon ramsay probably really popularized what actually goes on on some aspects of the kitchen when it comes to he curses out every single person even though he might not be touching the food at the time well you know it, it extends far beyond that these days you know in the kitchen it's as if you're not really thinking about what you're saying you're, you're busy plating you're busy uh, doing prep, and if somebody needs a knife, give me the fucking knife, you know, and uh, it, it's all filler. You know, somehow we want our words to flow. And very often there are words that we use, adverbs, adjectives, actually, that we use all the time without even realizing it. I mean, do we really mean actually when we say actually? Do we really mean to say, uh, you know, give me the, the fucking hammer? Um, and, and that's a funny thing about certain words because fucking English, fucking, you don't say, see it in other languages that way. If I want to say, you know, give me the, um, look at the fucking wall. In French, they would say something along the lines of, you know, look at whorish wall. They don't, you know, so, so fuck is a special place in in english that it really doesn't have in fact i was watching um, a danish show and i i only know a couple of words in, in danish but what they would go on and on and on in danish and then suddenly you're fuck fuck you know so they have adopted this word of ours and actually we you know jesse Schilauer wrote a book uh, on it and we don't know where it came from and all of the, the um, definitions that people give all of the uh, stories, um, according to one lexicographer, they're all bullshit. There's one thing that says, fuck is fornication under the covenant of the king. And it's like, what? You know, it, it, anyway. It's it, what know, I say have... when I drop something. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, you know, that's an interesting point when you drop something. Because um, let's say you hit your thumb with a hammer you're not going to say oh i hit my thumb with a hammer you say oh shit but uh, steven pinker the um other um linguist scholar points out that most words that we say are done in the cortex 
So we're actually thinking about words. When we hit our thumb, it's like sneezing. It's like just a yell. It's so he calls it subcortical. So there are, you know, the two types of, of swearing, the ones that you, you sort of think out and the other ones that just come out like that. And most of us are, are bound to do that. Whether it's the restaurant, whether it's on the street. Um, and it's, it's, it's amazingly everywhere. And sometimes we don't even know why we're saying it. My wife was uh, watching a program the other day and someone said, I love this shit out of you. What is the guy, a copperphage, a copperphile? I mean, well, why would he say that? You know, it, it's just that these words become abstract. They no longer have the meaning that they once did. I and mean, when people use the word shit, probably nine times out of ten, I'm not talking about feces. You know, it's, it's, it's some other realm that these words have been uh, relegated to. Did your perspective on like did you have an interest or a reaction towards swearing before you started writing your book like did you have any thoughts on it or anything because it's always been normalized in my family as like cursing and it's kind of like i mean you don't do it at like when you're eating grandma's dinner or anything like that you kind of just do it you know you can do it in your life and i've noticed it more i guess i'm close to the baltimore area so it's not really like a giant issue uh, it's kind of like being in Detroit. If you live in Detroit or if you live in some big giant city, you hear cursing probably a lot. New York, if you're trying to ride the subway, anything like that. I'm curious to your background before you started writing your book and did your perspective change? Like, do you feel like you might have had more of a open ear to it? I found myself trying to stop cursing a little bit as of recent. I've just noticed I do it a lot. And it's like, do I need to do it there sometimes? But it's like, damn, and all these words are great filler words. Yeah, uh, growing up, I grew up in Jamaica, Queens, New York, so it was very common to hear swearing all the time, everywhere. In fact, I was um, it was a Christmas party, and my father was speaking with somebody, and they had a bottle of cognac, and it was Grand Prix, P-R-I-X, and one fellow said to my father, ha, Grand Prix, and I thought to myself, Oh, they don't know what that means. So there was like this uh, separation between kids and adults. I once heard my uncle swear, and I was like, "God, adults know these words too," because you know they were they they were trying to be have so much propriety around us. But you know we were well into it as as kids, and if my mother said something like, "Oh, stop futzing around," my father would go, "Oh my." Or she would say, oh, shoot. And George Carlin has a funny thing about that. He says, shoot, you can't fool me. That's shit with two O's. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sugar, oh, sugar. What, what, you know, why, why sugar? Why shoot? And, you know, clearly they're, you know, dysphemisms of a sort rather than euphemisms. They're going the other direction, trying to uh, downplay something that, you know, could be pretty nasty. But, um, you know, so it's well accustomed to it, but in the various jobs I've had, apart from working in, in a, a restaurant kitchen, um, you really would, yeah, everybody would guard their tongues for the most part, unlike what you might see on television in an office where everybody's swearing about everything. Oh, what's, what, what's wrong with the fucking coffee today? You know, um, and I'm working part-time in another um, kitchen and it's only rare did you hear anything because there are kids around so we do guard ourselves intentionally and i have to say that when i'm among other people i pretty much do guard myself but when i'm by myself boy the cat has heard quite a few things that uh, probably has turned its ears inside out do you think that that's just because of the fact that people tried to hide it in public before when you were a kid? Like I've noticed that like if you've really never heard cursing, you grew up in like a very Christian household or something where cursing was not allowed. Some of those people are adults and they are very detracted from cursing at all. It's always those. And it's like that even when they're by, they're by themselves or hanging out with a friend when they can be free and say it. I get the professional aspect. It kind of does make you look a little bit more professional. But 
and I, I just wonder if that's just ingrained into me because of how we've stigmatized it. Like, oh, you don't say this or you get a bar of soap in your mouth. You know, everyone remembers a Christmas story where he says, oh, yeah, yeah, fudge. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is it because of that? And then I start going, I mean, there's really no reason to fear it. And I noticed this because, you know, if you're at a job I was at, there was a kid that was new to the job and they got cursed at and they started crying and they're an adult. But they started crying and I go in my head, I was like, this person has never heard cursing probably before or has never been talked to that way. And they're not used to that. They've never worked in an industry and it's not good for your boss to do that to you. But it's just they've never heard that. And they weren't prepared for it and they ended up quitting their job and leaving. And it was just like, I don't know what that is. That is either you have too much of it or you have too little of it. And then if there's the, what's the healthy balance to where you could do it properly. I'm pretty sure everybody knows about like the. It's, I think it's called the fuck meter, which is how many times you can say that word in a short amount of time before you've used it too much. And then you can't say that word. It like it loses meaning to it. I mean, I don't know. The art of it is the, is the real talent of how you're able to do it. And nobody gets offended and nobody gets um or nobody gets super excited about it. They're kind of like, hey, that was a good choice. Good choice. But, you know, there's so many things that I, I can reply to on that. One is that um, there's the woman who overhears swearing and she says, I never heard such words. And the man replies, well, how do you know what they mean? But uh, then you have Mark Twain, who cut himself shaving, is swearing. And his wife came in and repeated it. And he says, Madam, you have the words, but you don't have the music. You know, so there is a certain art to swearing. And, you know, if you do it right, it, it, it works out. You know, sometimes if you're standing there and, and everybody's really quiet and you say, oh, fuck, and maybe get a big laugh. Other times you can say it a hundred times in a row and people don't even notice it. You're watching a car, car chase in the movies and people are swearing. You're not even paying attention to their swearing. You're paying attention to the, the car chase. So the, the words have become so inundated into our language that sometimes we, we just don't hear them and we just use them automatically, you know, without even without even thinking. And, um, and and you're right, because certain people are quite offended. There's the movie Trading Places and uh, Don Amici is one of the characters. And he was told he, one of his lines, he had to say, fuck. And he, did, he didn't want to do it. He, he was outraged that he, he had to do this. And I've seen in my own family how people can, you know, turn away from a nude scene on television. Um, that, that they don't, oh, how, you know, there was, the, again, a sense of propriety, whether they really believed it. And I think many of them certainly did. You know, you did have to, um, you know, play up to it and, and you know, play that by the numbers, as it were. Now, when it comes to analyzing movies, I'm a big movie guy. You've, have you noticed that, though, that there's been a lot of things that I would say when I was a kid that would not be acceptable on the screen? But then, yeah, you have curse. I mean, even PG-13. I'm PG-13. I think you can, there's certain guidelines of cursing. You can say a couple of words. But I went to go see the new Shazam that came out. That sh movie should not be PG. It should not be any of that. It should be like I would call that R or at least a 17 and up or something like that because there was so much going on where they were saying curse words and they were saying things where I was like I was going to take my nephews to go see this film. And thank God I didn't because they're way too little to watch something like this. So I'm wondering if it's the amount of now we know people curse. I think we've always known people curse, whether it's behind closed doors or not. But uh, I think just... a perfect example to what you're saying is I think it was Bad Santa where uh, Blue Bob Thornton says, oh, well, you know, S-H-I-T. And the mother says, to him, my son knows how to spell, you know, <laughs> so like he knows it. And uh, it's like you know, the first time kids are swearing, you know, it's like, oh, isn't that, isn't that so cute? Isn't that so funny? But the first real instance that I've been able to figure out in this country is in MASH during the football game. And the uh, painless, the dentist, says, hey, Mac, your fucking head's going to come right off. And that probably got the biggest laugh of the whole film because it was the first time anybody heard anything like that. Um, even in Broadway, Stephen Sondheim wanted to include the word fuck in the song uh, Officer Krupke. It, he wanted to be the first person on Broadway to have, gee, Officer Krupke, fuck you. 
And Columbia Records said, we can't do that because we won't be able to sell it over various state lines. So Leonard Bernstein said, oh, why don't we just say Krupp you? And sometimes said, hey, that's that's great. That's even better than fuck you. I mean, when you think about it, how many how many times people just say fuck you in the film um, Curtain Call? Uh, Michael Caine is speaking with James Spader. James Spader says, fuck you. And Michael Caine says, oh, yes, that's the repost of the inarticulate. You know, and they're talking about a put down. Someone says, fuck you. And, and somebody comes back with a really nice retort. You know, that beats fuck you anytime. Except Joe Pesci, where Joe Pesci has built a career on the whole fact that he says words like that. To me, that makes him like, I don't know, he's one of my favorites. And I don't just like actors for cursing, but the way he does it is... I don't know. It's just it's styling. I mean, one of my favorite movie scenes out there, and it's not Joe Pesci, but it's Eddie Murphy when he's the movie Coming to America, where he steps up on the balcony. And he goes, "Good morning, my neighbors." And then someone goes, "Hey, fuck you," and he goes, "Yes, fuck you too." And he like that. That's <laughs> hilarious. But it's like yeah. we, we get him in late night comedies, and I think Naked Gun's probably the one that really doesn't curse at all. They kind of just base humor and like jokes that they skip right over, which is rare. But there's a lot of this now, where every film I'm seeing has like Bullet Trains, a new one that came out. Massive amount of curse words. It's rated R, but got big reception, big things like this. And I start to wonder, like, if you pull it back in history a little bit, how many people were told by their office, you can't say this, or you're going to lose X amount, or you can't do this, or you can't do this. And they had to censor themselves. And there has been a long time in our country, and I think it's, think it's still there, which is in marketing, if you do something that's more public when it comes to no cursing and things of this sort you're going to get a lot more sales but i go well rap songs are littered with them and those guys are driving around in so many cars i can't even keep count so obviously it's not losing that much of a market so when it comes to analyzing music movies uh and anything you can think of but what a certain area do you find which do you find has probably had the most progression or at least the least amount of restrictions when it comes to cursing well, certainly, you know, movies gradually did it. Um, television has it. I was I, a couple of years ago. I was on Netflix and I turned on the series Blacklist, which I at the time I did not know it was a network television show. And I'm listening. And I'm listening. It's not one curse word. And I said, this must be from network television. See, with cable television, you can say pretty much anything because it doesn't have FCC guidelines the way network television does. And after a while, network television was allowed a certain number of swear words, not, uh, not the, as George Carlin would call, the, the heavy seven. George Carlin's heavy seven are shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Those yes, are the ones the that are, word. that was one of his, his, his seven. The C one for me is a known. That's a big one. I, that that pisses too many people off. Well, that that opens up another issue entirely. Is that when does a swear word, you know, become taboo? And one is the C word, and you know what the other one is, yeah. the N word. I mean. You can swear as much as you want, use all the other words, but once you, and even I'm shy about quoting somebody, you know, with the N word, because it has become a slur. It has become profane. You know, what so many other curse words started as, remember the word curse was meant harm. You, you were cursed somebody, you were cursing them to hell. That was nasty. So they were, they were profane, they were profanities. And now what do you have? But you have like at least two, the N word, the C word. And then of course, faggot. That's another word that has entered the world as you don't say that. You just don't say that, that's, that's not good. Um, and some other words, I mean, the N word you hear in rap songs all the time, because it's like, hey, we can use it. You can't, but we can. But other words, um, you know, in that same group that might be considered taboo also, you know, take on a charm. Like if you use the word bitch, you call someone a bitch, that's pretty nasty. But you say life's a bitch, that's not so bad. Or that was a bitch in good time. Well, that's good. So, so you have these various layers of how words can be used. I mean, fuck can be used as an adjective, an adverb, a gerund. Um, 
and and yet it's it's out there. But then again, you know, some of the words N word um, you don't use. There was a woman who uh, wrote a book called Cunt because she felt that in order to appreciate certain things, why not beautify it? Well, she, I, I mean, she didn't succeed. I don't hear too many people using it. And then you have other people like Lenny Bruce, who tried to like defang, if you will, words. He walked into one. Um, so he was trying to say, if we use the words enough, they won't have the, the sting that they once did. I, I don't know that that's true. You can listen to um, James Baldwin who originally his piece was, I am not your, but when it came out in book form, it's I am not your Negro. So even he felt that, you know, he wanted to use it to, as I say, defang it, to take the sting out of it. But some words at this point, you still can't do that too. One uh, linguist thought, you know, swearing is going to be on the uh, increase. This was, he was in the fifties. And then after it's on the increase, it's going to be so common that people won't use it anymore. Well, he was right about the first part was on the increase, but no, it's <laughs> it, people use it all, all the time, more more than ever in almost every place. I was, uh, and then of course the, the words change. When I was uh, in Argentina, I was teaching a course on art, and I was in the library, and this Asian boy was saying, "Oh, that sucked. That really sucked." And I'm like, oh my God, he's, he's saying suck. And I said to the librarian, I said, no, you should tell him that in English, that's, and she said, what word? And I said, that suck? Well, what's wrong with that? Then I realized it had become part of the modern vernacular, as so many words do, and we don't blink at them. You know, you son of a bitch. You know, things we just say, things we say automatically, we don't uh, think twice at, unless, unless it's said with venom. You really suck. Well, that that's nasty. <laughs> Where he said that movie sucks, it's not so bad. So it's it's just curious how how malleable so many of the words we use are. What what about the word dick? Dick's not a curse word, is it? Not anymore. I mean, if I, if you look at the history of it, somehow um, dick was used more in some of the more Germanic languages. But then the word cock took over. I mean, you never call somebody a dick sucker, but somebody's a cock sucker. Wait, cock's a curse word? Well, if you say cock sucker. <laughs> I was about to say, because that's what I would, like, If my, I, I heard this from Flea and is the best example. He goes, if your kid's running around his, his house, he's a little child or something like that. And he's like, you know, look at my whatever. Um, do you want him to say pee pee or do you say, do you have a pee pee or do you have a cock? You know, it sounds more manly. I'm like, oh, 100% you want to tell your kid, you know, anything like that. But there, it's that to me, cock was just a word that you could just easily say. Like the only ones I think that have ever really ingrained into me that were curse words were damn, which I think damn is kind of cut out of the whole thing. I feel like now you can use it a lot more without people getting upset or they're not as pulled back. The F word is a big one that always triggers somebody's ears. The C word, the N word. I won't even say Arnold's last name because it just, to me, it's just, I, I can't even do it. Um, and then there is shit, but shit is like, it depends on how you use it, you know, like you were mentioning how you use these types of words, but there's literally a change on them where they go back and forth where I start going. I mean, what there are some words out there that you could probably say that would be curse words to people, but it's not to you. And then it kind of goes into the notion. So what then are these words? Are they just words that we don't like because they're aggressive and sometimes they can be like a, ne a needle to our ears? Like there's words like that out there. When someone says the C word, that's it for me. It makes my ears kind of start ringing a little bit. I go, oh my God, you just said that. That was like a fart in a room, man. You don't do that. But then there's other words out there that I've used that people would go, what? I'm like, it's, I said, water. Do you want water? They're like, water. I was like, hang on a second. That's not a swear word. Don't you put that on me. And it becomes into this era where it's like, do we just start labeling swear words as things that trigger people or find them offensive and then i go well then we're really going to have a distortion with language and trying to understand it because you need to have a good vocabulary i mean when it comes to the expansion of words that you can use or the massive amount whatever you want to say there needs to be a discussion and a lot of conversations are not limited because people find things that they deter from and that's from listening to someone that might say a curse word listening to someone from an opposing view and i'm like we can't do that with everything 
there are things that you're going to have to understand that are in the world and you have to interact with them at some point. So, you know, some words, the way we hear them, I mean, you can say jackass, but you can't say kiss my ass. Quit. You know, right? I mean, so it's um, not what you say, but how you say it. And I think that is, is the key to, you know, how some of these words become so penetrating, become so vile, or, or just laughed off entirely. You know, it, um, as I said, get your shit together. What does that mean? You know, but if you say, man, you are, you are really a shithead. Well, that's nasty. <clears throat> so you know, the words uh, do come and go with different costumes on all the time. When it comes to the, I guess, the next, I would say probably the next five years or maybe next 10 years, do you ever think society is going to get to a point where we ever don't kind of put these restrictions on words? I'm sure there will always be words that are stigmatized, but I feel like we've changed already in at least my lifetime of words that we're going to say and words that we can't say. But then we get to a point where what's going to be like in my kid's lifetime, what's going to be like in my grandkid's lifetime, where are they going to be able to say whatever? And then certain – I feel like certain noises would be banned or called swear words. I feel like any screaming happens to do with – to me, I just don't want to hear it. Well, who knows when AI takes over. <laughs> That's very true. And that thing's aggressive too. That thing uses swear words at times. Well, if used properly, it could also modulate language. Like fixed, yeah, just to fixed language? to to um, not get us to use it as much, to give us other words. Uh, you know, I find that with AI, you know, it's this generating force that almost tells people what or what not to say. If you put something in video games, so, you know, subliminally, you know, it may, you know, affect people. As we know with advertisements, so many advertisements have this subliminal message that people don't even realize the next thing you know they're going out and they're buying this toothpaste um, so you know who knows where language is going i mean it, it developed so rapidly over the last half of century and that's mostly what uh, my book covers the last ha half of the previous century i mean you think back to gone with the wind they had trouble using the word damn at first, they weren't, you know, frankly, my dear, I give a damn. They weren't going to use it. But eventually, they were able to get away with it because of the Hayes Commission, which banned certain words, uh, certain images. And um, eventually, we are, we're, we're, we are today where no one gives a damn. Would you be able to explain a little bit more about the Hayes Commission? Like who was all involved in the Hayes Commission? Was that a government thing? Was that a censorship thing when it came to production offices, whether it was Hollywood or it, other... it was an office that uh, basically um, tried to set the, the rules in Hollywood um, to make sure that everything was was clean and you couldn't have um, certain cleavage. Uh, you couldn't say certain words. You couldn't show certain types of killing. It tried to keep, you know, America, <clears throat> you know, as clean as possible. And, you know, it, uh, basically there was just these radical, I don't know that I want to say necessarily Christian, but people who thought that the um, what we see, what we hear, you know, should be modified in a way that everyone can look at it without any trouble. And so when Clark Gable was going to say, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, you know, that would have shocked and probably did shock a lot of people. With the Hayes Commission, now, certain things that can be said, like when it comes to who, did you look into who created that bleeper? The ones that go beep when someone does curse and things of that sort? Because before I thought on national, or at least television, like Tonight Show or things like this, you can't say curse words. They always bleeped it out. And I mean, I'm going to give you a really good example because this kind of got brought up a lot when it came when it happened at the time. But people were calling it fake. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. So if you would have saw that and you would have heard about it, you would know that people said, oh, it's fake. Oh, it's fake. I go, it's not fake because they would have never let him say the F word what he did because they were not ready for that. 
anybody would have known they would have had a bleep over that, but they play that on television. He said the F word and he said a couple curse words out of that. I said, get your wife's or get my wife's name out here. Yeah. And then he cursed and said, damn too. I go, they would have bleeped that. They never bleeped it. That's how, you know, it wasn't staged or anything. And then Chris Rock did a whole special about the incident and everything, but that beeper. And then also some of the societal stuff now where it's like, I mean, in the moment of it, you have people that give talk shows now that they'll say a curse word and they'll just laugh it off and they'll go on to the next thing instead of rather just be like, cut, you're out of here. Yeah, I don't know what the um, regulations are right now, but if you said certain words 10 years ago, you'd even find hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, as I said, things have opened up a bit more and not completely on network television. <clears throat> but as we saw you know, in, in, in cable, it, it's an open market. And it's, it's just curious how certain words, even though it's the same word, can mean so many different things. There was one police show I saw that two cops are investigating and they're looking at the crime scene. <clears throat> and one goes, oh, fuck. Ooh, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like this <clears throat> accelerated, you know, when they see something different each time. And, I'll bet the writers had a, a great time. All right, you guys have to say this differently each time. It's going to mean something different on e each occasion. So, you know, how, how can you use just one word and express so many different things without saying anything else? And it, again, it just shows you how malleable these, these words have, have become because they imply something else. And we infer what that implication is, whatever it is. You know, so when you have somebody smacking someone and not getting blipped, I think the blips are getting uh, fewer and far in between these days. But, you know, in the past, there was always the, you know, the, um, <clears throat> the timer. It was like always a delay. And somebody was always watching. I just don't think there's as vigilant anymore. Uh, they, they were more vigilant. Uh, 10, 20 years ago, because it meant a lot of money. The you know government could get quite a bit of money by catching you swearing. I didn't know that. So, uh, yeah. Like, how much of a kickback are we talking about? I think it was. Uh, I don't have it here exactly, but for some, because they could make a like billion dollars off of my show if they listen to me curse on they, you. Yeah, I actually calculated somewhere. I don't have it have it at hand. But um, yeah, uh, it was several thousand dollars that you could get for every single time you use a specific curse word. I know Mark Cuban, I think his name is, is when he was on the interview thing and they said, you're about to get fined this amount of money, like $80,000 for saying the word, the F word. Um, so you should stop saying it. You've said it three times already. And he goes, you know what? Fucking bill me. And I, like he says it again, and it's like, yeah, that was a big mic drop moment because Mark has a lot of money. But there's plenty of like even in acting, I looked into the history of Hollywood and a lot of actors. I mean, they would not accept that type of language. I mean, they couldn't even show sex on screen for the longest time. They always had to cut to a fireplace or be like, hey, rain on the window or something of that sort, which is interesting to me to see the evolution of it all. Because, I mean, I think we'll get to a point where you could have any curse word on screen and nobody's going to care um, at all. But where do you find, like, do you find that it takes out the professionalness in somebody? Like, do you find that more shows are professional because of the aspect, like TV shows, if they don't curse, if they don't use language? Or, I mean, are you even tuned in to pick it up? For me, half the time, I just kind of don't even really notice the curse word a lot, unless it's one I really never hear about. Like, when someone says, like, something crazy, like, I don't know, like, fart knocker or something, whatever you want to say, just something that's obscure, I'm just like, I, what is that supposed to be? Oh, yeah, if somebody says something really cool, I mean, you, you, you listen to it. It was in Dexter where um, the woman says, fuck Jesus, I'm a cracker. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 whatever that means, but uh, that's pretty good. I'll take that. But, like, you know, so much goes on behind the scenes. A few people realized that Julie Andrews had a real potty mouth, uh, was always swearing and really offended a lot of people. They were, uh, Ethel Merman was on the Loretta Young show, and Loretta Young was very prim. And so she caught Ethel uh, swearing, and uh, Loretta pulled out 
the tip jar and said, you know my rules, that's a dollar. You know, she put it in and she swore again, that's another dollar. And Ethel Merman turned to her and said, how much would it cost to say, fuck you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, so I think a good deal of behind the scenes is going in front of the scenes now, becoming part of the scene where actors, you know, where they had to watch their language, follow the script completely. You know, maybe they're ad-libbing a little bit more because it sounds more realistic. You know, not like using a real gun and shooting somebody offset, off you know, but, uh, you know, but uh, I think that um, someone says, okay, just go with the scene. And, you know, that method acting would, you know, would bring that out, you know, would bring out somebody's inner uh, demons if you really become part of a scene. And uh, there's a um, tape of JFK and JFK, if you know anything about history about him, he's very professional. He's very publicly spoken. You know, he's a good speaker in a lot of aspects of things. But there's a phone call with him talking about a general and the general had there's a videotape out there where they had caught like four thousand dollars of like these famous, like not famous, but very professional, rich style chairs that these guys are sitting on he goes did you see them and this those chairs and the general's like i did and he goes it was a fucking mayhem and he was like you just said something where it was like i have never heard kennedy curse and i saw it i was like this is what i want and people go oh why do you gotta stick on his cursing i go no 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 it shows he's human we all do it every single person does it the people it's the same thing with like sex and things we all do it but we all stigmatize certain things and i go to me it makes them more human and I go, when you really can take the blinders off when you hear, and I know I don't really necessarily want to hear my president curse, but to me, I go, I mean, do we expect, like, why do we get so aghasted when someone does? Like, we shouldn't be like that as a society. If someone says a curse word, we should be able to be like, okay, and then move on past it. But some people are just taken back. And even with professional status, reporters, for instance, that was a big no-no. You couldn't say that on screen. I'm just like, we get to the point back where we're kids and we have a swear jar in our house. And I go, I mean, where does that even come from? The swear jar? I mean, that's the stupidest thing ever. It just sounds like you're trying to get money out of your parents because they're not giving you an allowance for doing chores. <laughs> well, it's like your form of doing penance. Uh -huh. You know, instead of giving your tithe to the church, you know, you give your money to, to your parents who probably give it back to you in some way anyway, ten, tenfold. But yeah, you listen like Kennedy. <clears throat> um, all the time, it's like, don't print this off the record. You know, when um, Johnson was talking to reporters and showing him around his house, taking to the bedroom, and he says, see that bed? That's bed seat more ass than your toilet seat. <clears throat> and talking. I never knew Johnson uh, said that. The Obama. I never knew Johnson oh, said yeah, that. That's he, crazy. He, was a, he apparently was, a, uh, you know, swore all the time. And. You know, someone said in the Obama administration, you know, saying fuck you or fuck, it's like saying hello or thank you. And, you know, when you do watch some of these television shows about politics, and you have the politicians swearing, that's a pretty much a reflection of what's, what's going on behind the scenes. But when you've got your personal uh, lifestyle and then your professional persona, you know, you clearly have to guard yourself. People don't want to hear you talking about grabbing pussy unless they really don't care about you saying grabbing pussy that's probably a curse word for me right there is the that word pussy and yet one president we know used it uh, a couple of times in an interview and was heard by the public and the public just shrugged it off if the opponent had said it you can bet that fox news would be plastering all over the place i um that well, that word I got slapped in the back of the head for using it because I was I think I was thirteen at the time or maybe twelve. There was a movie called Accepted that came out, and the woman drinks a glass of wine and goes, "College is for pussies," and then she walks out. And I said it at like you know just because it was on a movie, I said it like I'm repeating it. And um, because I was trying to talk about a scene, and I probably shouldn't have been watching that movie. But at this point, you're a kid. It comes on the channel. Your parents aren't home. You just watch it. And um, I said that, and I got slapped in the back of the head. I was like, "What? Like, don't ever say that." I was like. Is it a bad word? And then I ended up finding out that it was, yeah. That was a cat. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. In this country, in the United States, it's a bad word. It's not, and you couldn't really get away with like a pun on television in this country. You know, 
when you want to refer it to a cat, you know, and, uh, you say pussy. It's a no-no here. But it's not the case in Britain. There was a show, Are You Being Served? And the woman who, you know, she's, you know, she's older. She's just missing a lot of what's going on in reality. And she's talking about she, her pussy. She has to take care of her pussy and feed her pussy. And in Britain, people are like laughing because they, they see the double entendre there. But we, we can't really get away with that double entendre in this country. It's like, we don't like the C word here, but there's not as much of a problem in, in Britain. Well, they found a way around it. It's called See You Next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, right. True. But, you know, in, in the right from the, you see many comments in the, um, Second World War, where the soldiers are being called cunt. And, you know, they, and it can be used good or bad, you know, and they say, oh, what a jolly cunt he is. And um, so, you know, from, yes, we know there's so many words in our American English that are unknown over there. I said, what, you know, what is that? A shag carpet? You know, shagging you know, in Britain is having, having sex. And, you know, and, and uh, on that level, you know, the overuse of something, you know, it doesn't work. Um, for instance, there's one story about this fellow meets a woman in the bar and he's telling his, his friend about it. He said, yeah, so this fucking woman in the bar, we had a fucking great time and fucking drinks. We took the fucking cab home and we went to a fucking apartment, had some more fucking drinks. And then we had sex. You know, it's like they didn't fuck, they had sex because fuck didn't mean sex. It was just <laughs> something entirely, you know, and, and to get across the point, <clears throat> you know, British soldiers, you know, would say, you know, um, get your fucking gun, blah, 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 blah. And then if something really bad happened, they'd say, get your rifles. You know, when Sirius came in, you know, some of those superfluous words disappeared because you wanted to be right on the mark. And using all these extra abstract filler words, you didn't need them anymore when you wanted to get your point across. Do you find that like it's like kind of a double standard with cursing? Like we accept it if it's certain people that say curse words, like veterans usually, um, older people sometimes too. It's even funny. Babies, for instance, if a baby acts or a young toddler says a curse word, it's funny. People put it on videos and TikToks and whatever they want to do. And then there's like people who are mentally challenged or something like that. Tourette's is a good example. I watched a Tourette's documentary and they have normalized the hell out of that for me, which was just kind of like they openly talked about it, like being in the middle of a store and saying the F word or something like that. And people are all like, oh, my God. And then they go, we have Tourette's. And then everyone just goes, OK, and then walks away. It's like, OK, at that notion of how much we stigmatize it when someone who or like an average person who doesn't have any anything going on says it then you, you you can't just stigmatize it on that person and then not stigmatize it on the other one. So then you have to question what that notion is. At least that's how I feel about it. Like there are certain things where you get people give them a pass because of this and this and this. I go, well, we shouldn't be giving everybody a pass then because they're just, it's just a word. It's gone in five seconds and it's gone in three seconds, basically. So we demonize, like some people will end relationships if someone curses too much or if someone says a word that they don't like or if they yell at them in a weird way. And I go... Man, if that person said, like, I, it's a horrible thing to do, but people have said, like, you know, I have Tourette's or something. I'm like, well, you don't have Tourette's. You just curse a lot. And they are, they do, but they realize, yeah, they do curse a lot, but they're trying to find a category where then it would be publicly accepted. If they openly said they had Tourette's and people are like, okay, it's okay for you to curse them. I go, why are we just challenging the notion in general? Like the whole cursing aspect. Why do we give certain passes the thing? And I'm not demonizing anybody that has that. I'm just saying. There's a big double standard for me there where I start going, that's why you can question cursing as being a topic that might just be ingrained to your head because we've had these thoughts for so long of being professional, being courteous, being accepted not to curse. If you want to get a job, you don't curse. If you don't get tattoos either. Well, the tattoo thing has gone out the window. I've seen plenty of people with tattoos. They don't need to roll up their sleeves to hide them or do anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, I, people ask me, what's a good profession to go into? I say tattoo removal. Because <laughs> people do regret them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, for the swearing, it depends on who you are, what people think of you, and, you know, how you deliver it. You know, it's, it's really a variable. So there's not like one situation where, 
someone's looking and says, oh, that person, he can swear that person can't. I mean, look at the film with the dude, the big Lebowski. Oh my God, it's my all-time favorite film. So towards the end of the film, the stranger says, tell me, dude, why do you do so much cussing? And dude replies, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I know it's... <laughs> you know, so we're, you know, in this society, emphasize what you're saying. Sometimes we don't even notice it. I mean, you know, you don't judge somebody. Well, clearly uh, the stranger is, is judging um, the dude, but the, the dude is, is just oblivious to it all. And I think that the world is filled with oblivious people and people who know things. And that goes across all borders of society and with regard to all genres of thought. You know, what book is going to uh, be banned because it uses a certain word? You know, what, um, you know, you, you can't read Catcher in the Rye anymore. You can't read certain. Um, I, I'm sorry that my book hasn't been banned. It would just give it some more PR. But, uh, you know, they say there's no such thing as, as bad publicity. And as soon as some of these books were banned, you see them in the bookstores in, in the front of, you know, the front of them, Barnes and Noble, because they want to show people that these books should not be banned. So sometimes when you're banning something, you're actually making it, you know, giving it uh, some extra cushioning. I mean, look at the Tipper sticker. Tipper Gore was the one who came up with the sticker that said, you know, may uh, contain, you know, adult language, uh, offensive language and so forth. And, you know, some people would say, oh, let's get that one. And one of the funniest points about that is there's a Frank Zappa album that has that sticker on it and it's an instrumental album so sometimes people are not even paying attention to what's what's actually being said but what they think is being said i think he meant that you know when louis louis came out with the song it was banned because people couldn't understand it do you and you know certain songs i'm sorry there might be a bit of a delay i was just going to say do you find that like you have probably two groups of split with like your community, like with your book. I mean, people that want to hear it because it's cursing. It says damn on the front cover of it. And then there's people that probably are deterred from it. Like, Oh my God, how could this person put this on a book or something like that? Like even you mentioned the author that wrote the C word on her book that might deter me. And I'm, I'm pretty into the cursing realm, but that might deter me from picking it up because it is that, but there are people that want to go after the cursing. I think that's why comedians build a whole stage platform off of being a dirty comic or something like that, where they use curse words, like every other sentence. And some people do it right. And then I have favorite comedians of mine that have been on my show that are clean comics. Don't ever use a curse word, which is a lot harder to do, but um, you know, there's audiences for both. To me, it's just interesting to see like the, I always want to ask the audience, like, what, what's your guys' background? Like, where'd you guys grow up? Did you guys grow up in the middle, like, go to church every Sunday or every other day or something like that? Like, how do we get these these two splits? Because we're all people when you boil it down to the beginning. Well, you know, well, you know, there are many things about our so-called idols that we, we don't want to hear. We don't want to hear them swear. We don't necessarily want to hear their political points of view. You know, when you find out that uh, an actor that you love, let's say Tom Selleck, you know, is, is one of the heads of the NRA, you, you know, you say, oh, well, that so-and-so beat his wife. You know, those are things you want to keep in the background because you don't want them, you know, to, to challenge, you know, your theories about, well, well, I like this person as an actor, but as a person, I don't want to know anything about him. Um, but to go back to another point of yours, like what people, you know, might think of when you're swearing at a previous, um, book talk that I gave at, at an art gallery where I was showing my paintings, like the one behind me. Um, That's really good. It, it, um, I have to send you a couple of mine. I've been getting into it pretty. I've been watching a lot of Bob Ross and my paintings. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I, I think they're pretty good. <laughs> good. Um, I had a website with my paintings, but no one was watching. And so I, I saved the six bucks a month. Anyway, so I was giving this talk about my book. And before I knew it, almost everybody in the audience was swearing. Like it was like, oh, well, we could talk about it now. You know, and, you know, my boss, 
used to say fuck all the time and I got offended, but you know, then I read blah, 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 blah. And um, it, it's something where it was just so fun to watch these people who might've never said anything in front of me before were all getting into it, all saying it. And like, it was like opening up this window of fresh or foul air, depending on how you want to look at it. I um when I had Timothy J on here, he's like the, he calls himself the father of swear words because he's an academic who studied swearing, and we kind of broke it down because I I was interested. Like I do curse a lot. I want to know exactly why why are we demonizing it so much? And I found myself in that episode a lot like this one. I haven't really cursed a whole lot in this one, but it's just I found myself wanting to curse less. It's not that it's like I'm deterred from it. It's just like I don't know what it is. It's about trying to understand it more, and it does become a thing. Like I'm. You know, if you get into, especially if you're doing a talk or something, or someone wants to interview you, it will be something where it's just like we can just curse the whole entire episode or do this whole entire thing it gives us a free pass because we're talking about swearing. It is true that you, you can talk about swearing, you can use curse words, and you're probably not going to get offended if I do. But it's also like are you paying attention to the thing, or are you just having fun with swearing words? You know what I mean? And it's like there's a time and place to do that. I think everybody, when they're hanging out with their best buddy or something like that, or their friends, and they're going out partying or getting drunk or something. The filter comes off. They just start saying whatever they want, even though they never said it before. And to me, that's more human. Like, at least I know you're not super worried or you're not confined. I mean, Fox News, for instance, CNN, all these places, they're very confined in time gaps of space and 20 minutes and all this type of stuff. And I go, you can't really get a person's thoughts and how they really feel in that amount of time. But also the restrictions that they can't say certain things. And when they can't say certain things, I'm like, well, then it kind of feels like, you know, you have to censor. And that's like with self-censorship now in general. To me, that gets me. I wonder when they're going to take it off a platform sometimes with curse words where it's like profanity and all these types of things. And I go, well, what's the context? If it's used and it's in a funny way, is it accepted? Okay, then we can't just use it if it's in an aggressive way. Even if someone's telling me I'm an idiot, you know, and saying it in the worst possible language, I'll be like, okay, that's fair. Well, if you were if you were interviewing me about my paintings right now, there wouldn't be anything close to a swear word. But that's fucking I mean, fantastic as a painting. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good, dude. You gotta you gotta bend the camera up so I can at least see yeah. the top of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that is fantastic, man. Wow. You really did that? I did. And I do some pretty incredible, pretty fucking incredible landscapes too. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I, I have some landscape stuff. Bob Ross, uh, I usually watch his videos like really late at night or something like that when I should be sleeping. But I, it's just, I, he goes, you can, you can do this. You can touch the canvas and you can pop it up on there. And I'm like, I can't be mad at you because I can't do it, but I see you doing it and it's so good. And then actually once I got the proper materials and the proper paints and you know brushes and things of that sort instead of the crappy $1 Walmart stuff, it actually – you get to see it. You really get to see the whole creation take place. I mean is that your escape too? Like is that where you go besides writing? Well, when I was – when I was I, – I wanted to be an artist. I took one art class in college. I hated it. But I fell in love with art history. And I became an art historian. I went to graduate school at NYU. They study art history, worked on my PhD in art history. But the nice thing about <clears throat> that branch of NYU, it's uptown a few blocks away from the Metropolitan Museum. And our branch at, at NYU had a conservation department. So I learned about technique and I studied technique. And so much of what I, the way I paint is in a way like the old masters. It's not completely because I don't ground my own pigments and I use a modern polymer resin along with oil. So there are um, certainly, you know, modern um, techniques and uh, applications that I use. But I did try to study the whole principle of building up your colors slowly, building up the glazes of pictures, you know, so that a picture like the one behind me would probably take close to a month to finish because it's done by slowly building up layers, glazes, adding on highlights. And it's it's an arduous it's process. And don't ask me why I, I, I do it because I don't know. 
I think it, I think it's a really fun hobby. I mean, I'm not a really skilled painter. I've only painted. A, I get, get I have ADHD, so I get into moments where I'm like, you need to go do something. And it's bad when we talk about waiting for a paint to dry because I'll be sitting there after I do, and I'm trying to keep going. And I notice I'm messing up even more because of the paint's not fully dried yet. So I'll just go. You know what? I'm gonna walk away and come back to this. I'll end up going to bench press in the, in the garage or something for an hour or so. Then I'll get lost track, and then I'll go upstairs and go play on my phone or go, uh, you know, email people or something like that. And then I come downstairs like the next day or something, and I go, oh, I totally forgot about the painting that I was working on, and then I'll have to cut back to it but it makes me force myself to sit down and really try and like listen to music or something but try and continue focused on this and it is very difficult for me i'm pretty sure you probably noticed throughout this conversation i've dodged in and out of various different areas but it's that specific like you have to force yourself to sit down and do this and i'm not an artist but i really appreciate someone who's able to make something like that that looks awesome man seriously well thank you um, I got one more question about your book, but when it comes to thinking about writing a spinoff series, do you think that you'll ever write another book about cursing, maybe focus a little bit more directly into a certain area that you could explore a little bit deeper when it comes to how much it's changed in society? Like video games is a great example of the filter that goes on video games with kids just that's where all my cursing went. You think I was bad on my podcast back in the days of the Xbox. Nah, I was, I was calling everybody, whatever word you wanted to say, because there's no ramifications to that. Well, I always seem to be working on something different. Uh, one of my last published books was called not my mother's kitchen. It's an Italian cookbook about someone who grew up in an Italian household with a, an Italian mother who didn't know how to cook and how I learned to cook. So there I've written that. Meanwhile, I've written a couple of mystery stories. I'm working on a book right now, I don't know where it's going, about, um, I call it getting away with it. How to, um, a guide to how to and how not to get, get caught. And it talks about murder and robbery. And as I said, I don't know where that's going. I'm working on a book that's kind of a variation on Spoon River Anthology. So yeah, I'm a schizo. So I, you know, whether I'm going to write another thing on swearing, I was part of a swearing blog <clears throat> for a long time, and that just, you know, kind of fell by the wayside. Um, so you know, I, you know, you don't quite know. I listen to my my music, my soundtrack movie soundtrack collection. It's probably close to four thousand CDs. So, but I've not really written much about music. <clears throat> But so, yeah, I, I really don't know whether I would work on it. And the other thing is trying to find somebody who's going to publish it. I'd publish it if I had the money in the platform. <laughs> because there are books that, you know, I, I, you know, I did my cocktail book. I told you it sold 30,000 copies and I can't get them interested in another book of mine. You know, everybody's like niche oriented, you know, write about this and only this. You know, if you write a cocktail book and you're trying to get a mystery story published, they don't want to hear it. Well, I don't care that you wrote a cocktail book. <clears throat> you know, we're interested in this type of mystery story. So, I, you know, I self-published, you know, several of my books on through Amazon, even if it's just for the vanity of, you know, having them for myself and for any friends or, or people who, you know, want to look at them. I had an agent in New York who had my uh, food novel, thought it could be a movie. Uh, after eight, eight turndowns, <clears throat> he passed it over to an ebook publisher. So it was published as an ebook and never really went anywhere. So, you know, it's whether the gods of uh, publishing are with you or not, it's always good to be connected. And I'm not really connected. So <laughs> I'm, here I am. I, write as, I might as well be off the map. I don't like being. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not social because I'm definitely social from the show, but I think that's the only time I'm ever really social. I try and kind of keep to myself a little bit when it comes to just, I balance everything up here a little bit. Art is a new hobby that helped me express, you know, relaxing and doing other things like people play video games or people do whatever hobbies they have. But one question on your cocktail book, and it's not a cocktail thing, but I want to get your thoughts on this. Pina Colada, what are your thoughts? Despite having written this cocktail book with hundreds of recipes, variations. I'm basically 
martini, gin, of course, that's the real kind, gin and tonic, maybe a couple of aperitifs, maybe single malt scotch, pina coladas, cosmos. They, they, they're not for me. Damn, I, that's the only drink I'll drink at a bar is a pina colada. And everybody looks at me strange like, this guy's getting a pina colada. It's pina colada or Jameson. You give me a shot of Jameson either way. But if I really, I'm a fitness guy. So if I really want to indulge in alcohol, I want to make sure I enjoy it. And it's a very tasteful drink. Just don't put any whipped cream on the top of it. I want <laughs> Right. I want well, you can be like the dude. I do like White Russians. That was the very first drink I've ever made was because of that movie, A White Russian. But they call it in different types. There's like a Caucasian is what they call it, or they call it a White yeah, Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so it makes it difficult to order when you're trying to like, can I get a White Russian? Some people know what that is, and they'll go, huh? And I'll go, Caucasian? They go, ah, oh, I got you, man. And I'm like, all right, well, thanks. I think uh, John Lennon and Harry Nilsson were picked out of a bar in California for drinking too many white russians god it's a damn good drink i'll tell you that much you're basically just drinking like sugar and coffee liquor in it but who cares it tastes great fantastic um but no rob you've given me enough of your time and i really do appreciate you giving me the time to talk on the show is there a place where people can find uh your books any links you'd like to promote social media handles anything like that and all of my books are on amazon social media links i don't really have any social i mean i will put things on facebook um i'll put things <clears throat> i'll put your site on when it's available but mostly people have been buying my books through my website which no longer exists but mostly through through amazon um or any major bookstore you just google my name and my books will appear well i'll make sure i link all your links in the description it's been a pleasure and, uh, with you and thanks everybody Oh, there's your book right there. Damn, yeah, don't forget that. That's a beautiful cover of a book, I could tell you that much. It's very simple, your but it's got the, the little swear jar right on the front. Um, but I'm going to link all your links in the description for people to be able to click on and be able to follow. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode.